0: Gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and we're going hard in the streets today. Uh, but before we do, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle's been with us from the jump. Uh, they're going to be out there with us at Noah's Bandage Project's annual golf tournament. It's a costume party. Uh, we are, we're, we're turning all the way up. And uh, Charlie Hustle shirts, the Noah's Bandage Project community uh, brought to you by Charlie Hustle will be available. If you know nothing of Charlie Hustle, go to charliehustle.com to learn more. You will not be disappointed. Speaking of not being disappointed, uh, the universe is a crazy, crazy place. You guys have heard me say it time and time again, oftentimes uh, for one reason or the other, something magical happens and the right person reaches out to you. And the right individual for me most recently connected with me via LinkedIn, and we had many mutual connections. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to the founder, co-founder, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Founder, co-founder. <laughs> see, that was a question. Co-founder of CBA Neurotech, practical neuroscientist and smartest man on this podcast <laughs> right now, Cody Isabel. What's good, Cody? What is up, everybody? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on, brother. We're Listen, we're on cloud nine horizon, man. And uh, with with your energy, I think it's, it's all we can do is go up from here. I know. i
1: I couldn't imagine what it'd be like two of us in one room together. I don't know if people would be able to handle it.
0: <laughs> the world would implode. Speaking of which, you come you coming live from the boardroom? What's good? Like, it's, it's this is like super professional. Got yeah, it's
1: actually like a low-key boardroom too. It's wearing Plex Pods, right? And so you, there's all these different things you can go into, and they're all like different decorated ones. And this was like, I don't know, it just looked like a cool background. So I chose this one and good lighting.
0: <laughs> we chose well. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not see Cody, that means you are streaming on one of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, and we greatly appreciate it. I fail to regularly tell you guys how we're doing uh, in terms of downloads because it really doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, are you, the Fundamism podcast listener, getting information necessary to help move you forward in life, to create more joy, fun, and fulfillment. And of course, you know that we do that by finding amazing guests like Cody to share what they're doing that's fun in society, as well as what they're doing to help create fun for others. So, I'm super happy to announce that uh, October 9th, 10th, and 11th, we topped out at number 31 in the world of podcast business management. Guys, we couldn't do it without you. So, please continue to uh, dial in. Check it out on whatever streaming uh, platform you're into. Of course, to see Cody, you're going to have to go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel while you're there. So, Cody, people want to know, man. First question we ask everybody what do you do for fun? Heck yeah. One of my favorite things to do for fun is play basketball. (laughs) Mm. uh, I
1: love being physical, really any sport, but basketball is specifically played in college. Um, It's been a little bit harder now. Mitch Case, you might know Mitch Case, Friday Morning Hoops. That's my man gets gets us out and running, but basketball without a doubt is one of my favorite things to do for fun.
0: <laughs> Love it. So uh, I, I am familiar with Mitch. I, I met or connected with Mitch on LinkedIn and then coincidentally okay. ran into him uh, in a golf mean He was uh, a partner uh, just by happenstance was invited and uh, dude right in the midst of his uh, career transition. He had made the decision that he was going to uh, escape the corporate world, uh, which it is for some and not for all. But uh, nevertheless, he made this decision, and I was there to kind of talk with him about his uh, his experience. I think he's going to be a future Funimism Podcast guest, Cody. So thanks for bringing it. It would up.
1: be a great one.
0: <laughs> so you're into basketball. I do know that you played in college. Do you still get buckets today?
1: I still do get quite a few buckets, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be a, a facilitator. I'm more the rebound guy, but I do – um, it depends where you play. You probably may, if you know basketball at all, like if you go to High arena, there's specific courts. It's like D1 athlete NF, NBA guys, NFL guys go and play. And then there's like the court over that's like D2, D3. And then there's like the rec league. And then there's like, like child's basketball maybe or something. <laughs> and so it just kind of depends. I kind of match where I'm at. I'm a big guy. I don't like to be the one that just wrecks, a, wrecks like a, a fun environment with a really competitive one. So Mitch, actually, I'm sure you should ask him because the first time I came to Friday morning hoops, I was like trying out for division one basketball mm-hmm. and everyone was trying to just chill. <laughs> <laughs> and I completely was not at that level. And yeah, that's good, <laughs> but he had a stern conversation with me and we fixed that.
0: <laughs> I don't see him having a stern conversation,
1: yeah. but. Oh, yeah, it was uncomfortable nice for both that. of us.
0: <laughs> but, you know, that that is obviously a great um, kind of segue into you and what you do well. So, basketball, of course, is, uh, is something that allows you to connect to life through fun, right? And in doing so, it has created many opportunities for you to connect with individuals of all walks of life. And Mitch kind of put together this Friday morning hoops deal uh, as a networking event, really, to kind of drive home the power of connection and to just get out there and have fun and not be overly competitive, but talk to us a little bit about how sports have kind of shaped your, I know you're a neuroscientist and we're going to get into the science of people and, and fundamentalism and what you're doing and all that stuff. But talk to us how uh, organized sports kind of help structure your brain in a way to uh, kind of connect with all parties.
1: Yeah, I, this is actually a very relevant piece of my journey. Yeah. Um, Cause I played since I was just a tiny kid, but I mean, just think, Getting together as a team to achieve a common purpose and then breaking those things down um, is like the goal of almost any sports team. You want to get the championship. How do you do that? Will you break down every individual game or even think something even as simple as like the big, the the March Madness. Like how do you get to that championship? Well, it starts with 64 teams and then it goes all the way in and that's how you get to that goal, right? That's one. And then motivating a team. Um, I I will never forget in high school uh, coach Frank Wheeler He was the coach at the time and one of his things, he he it was culture. And I didn't even know what culture was at that time. It was the first time in high school as a freshman playing varsity. He's like, now remember guys, if there's one piece of shit in the ice cream carton, you can't eat the entire ice cream carton. I was like, coach, I love ice cream, man. (laughs) He's like, this team is the same way. I was like, (laughs) like a mic drop moment. And I was like blown away as this freshman in high school. Couldn't believe it. That was my first like, like peer into culture. And then my junior year, we got a new coach and his big thing was mental toughness and like the mental side of things. And if you say you're going to miss the free throw, you're going to miss the free throw type vibe. And it was just always those uh, types of lessons throughout. And then one of the, probably the best lesson I've learned is how sequential learning and repetitious behavior. I didn't learn to shoot a free throw in one afternoon in the backyard no, it took years and years of practicing how to shoot a free throw to get good at those things, at dribbling, at shooting. And so the putting it in my head that to get where you want to go, big picture, you have to break something down micro and hit those micro steps. That was something I think that basketball, or not just basketball, sports in general helps with, but for me, it was basketball really helped a ton with.
0: For sure. And I want to talk about that journey into uh, like you said, sequential learning and breaking down barriers and, and, and mental constraints or perceived mental constraints. Right. Um, I'm kind of going through that right now. So mm-hmm. you talked about the power of uh, basketball and supplying you this this uh, this forum to kind of learn these things. I'm teaching myself golf right now. And uh, it's as I'm sure you've either been well aware yourself or have heard from other parties. It it is such a fickle, fickle sport and so difficult for me to replicate. Dude, I could shoot a jumper over and over and over again. And I I consistently compare shooting a jumper to hitting a golf shot. And of course, I'm not giving myself credit for the number of jump shots that I've taken in my life uh, is much less, obviously, than, uh, than hitting a golf shot. But so here's my question to you. I think that this is really, truly the first time in a long time as an adult, I've stretched myself to really get outside of the proverbial comfort zone and do something that really I don't like doing. Like I, I, I love playing golf, but I hate not being good at it. And so teaching myself a new thing. Is uh is something that's really challenging to me. What is it about the human brain that um, keeps us from wanting to to challenge ourselves, or uh, keeps us from getting uncomfortable, or rather getting comfort uh, comfortable in discomfort?
1: Right. Yeah. So you, there's a lot of like like neurochemistry kind of goes against you here. Um, there's even a science of like a quitting behavior, right? So if you think. To, to take, to make a, just give us a common term behavioral change. So going from, I can't play golf to I can play golf is a behavioral change, right? The behavior was I suck at this to I'm so at this. <laughs> uh, I can do that. So <laughs> did not mean to do that, but, um, the, the, that's a behavioral change and your brain doesn't like change just to be straight up. Like, um, especially in adult brain. So you get above like 26, 27. And if you think of your brain, like a filing cabinet for, from third trimester until like 27 or so, I mean, you, it's an open filing cabinet. You can put new files in as much as you want. Doesn't matter. Once you get past that, you're really searing. Once you're past 27, you really have seared in some, those filing cabinets pretty full. So what you have to do now, uh, and this is why it sucks. This is why learning as an adult sucks, literally. Because now to learn as an adult, you have to pull files out, which if we're taking this biological, those are neurons. Those are brain cells. Those are like your brain cells are just like your skin cells. If you get a cut, it hurts. When you destroy brain cells, it hurts, literally. Like in your brain, you are killing brain cells, pulling files out of that cabinet so you can put new golfing ones in. When you put those new golfing ones in, it takes time for those to build up into a pattern to where, to that full change, right? You put in one file, that doesn't mean you can do it. You put in a hundred files, now you can, but you have to kill a hundred files as an adult. Um, And so it hurts because you are going in and you're asking your body, what you want me to damage myself? You want me to hurt myself? And so, what happens is your brain starts firing uh, chemicals into your brain. Norepinephrine is what it's, is, right? Adrenaline, whatever. And what that meant to us in the caves was oh, crap, you're a saber-toothed tiger. You're about to bite my face off. I got to get out of here. And that's what that behavioral change feels like at first. The fun I... part, right? Exactly. 100%. You want to get out of even if it's any concentrated task, even if it's going through 100 emails. Like getting past that barrier of, oh, I suck at this. I don't want to do this. I want to get up. I want to do anything other than this. I don't want to lose. I don't want to look bad. That is hard. And so uh, there's some cool things you could do. Like I'm sure, have you ever heard of growth mindset?
0: I am familiar with the concept, but give it it to us. So that norepinephrine
1: is flooding your brain, makes you want to quit and get away from whatever that behavior is because you're killing brain cells and your brain wants to get away from pain. It wants to get away from you killing brain cells. Killing them, um, and so norepinephrine floods in to get you away from that. Um, the fun part about norepinephrine is that dopamine actually downregulates it. And so, what a growth mindset actually is is a is a uh, a barrier that you can create for yourself. That talking yourself up, positive self talk, right? Like, I've got a hundred emails to get through. I'm not done yet, but I did finish this one. Or this is part of the journey, baby. I suck Mm -hmm. right now, but I'm going to get through this thing, man. Like I'm better than I was yet. Like things like that, where you're hyping yourself up and you're like, what? Like you're just getting pumped. That literally can decrease the amount of norepinephrine in your brain and increase the dopamine. And once you get past that, if you've ever heard of flow, that is flow. Once you have gotten to the point where you're decreasing norepinephrine and dopamine is going up and you there's one other chemical, I won't get too complicated, but your focus chemical, dopamine and focus meet together. And now you're in flow and you're learning. It's amazing,
0: <laughs> but and, it does suck at first. It is amazing. And as a fundamentalism podcast listener, I, I think that you could already tell why we have Cody uh, on the podcast today. Um, there has now been two individuals that uh, I've talked to on the podcast um, that hit the science behind the fundamentalism philosophy and i i get I get so excited and so amped when I hear that there's there's actually data <laughs> there's science that supports um, this this feeling this philosophy that I go out and try to uh, get the masses to understand and what's amazing about that with me, Cody is like I have never needed science to tell me that when I feel good I don't feel as bad right and so so the challenge yeah. that i forced myself to do is gravitate more towards what's good, right? And here you and and the other individual that I referenced, John McGraw, are introducing the science behind this feeling of good and, and why fight or flight takes place uh, and and the dopamine and epinephrine. Is that right? Yep. Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Yeah. Nor- <laughs> See, I love this because what happens is as the Fundamism Podcast listener, you can hear that there are actually uh, uh, factual uh, foundation points, foundational principles that teach us that what we're talking about in gravitating towards what lifts you up can actually really, truly change not just your mindset, but the environment in which you live. And so Cody, what you're talking about right now, I've, do you, what I admire about you is there's a theme in everything that you're saying, And everything that you're setting up is saying what's fun about this is, which is, I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but dude, whatever you're doing, keep doing it.
1: (laughs) And another fun thing is when you say good things lift you up. So it's kind of funny. Dopamine is what drives desire and positive things, right? And it literally, dopamine forms a ladder. And so that ladder literally lifts you up into those happier things. So it not only do good things, but neurophysiologically, it does lift you up because you're building a ladder. Wow.
0: So (laughs) so in in summary, just to kind of validate uh, what I'm trying to do on the Fundamism platform that relates and runs parallel to you and what you're doing is we are trying to increase the amount of dopamine and decrease the amount of Nora app. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, well, for behavioral change
1: yes <laughs> for behavioral change. Uh, the, the, you just got to be careful too because the, the fun part is norepinephrine keeps you alive remember like sometimes you do need to run if a saber tooth tight like if you're a bear is running at you it's not the time to be like let's go i got this. <laughs> get out of here norepinephrine no that's the time to turn your tail and freaking run <laughs> Fair enough. so
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Well, the, one of the things that fascinates me about uh, what you're talking through and the reason why I wanted to make sure the Fundamism Podcast listener got it is because in the F of the acronym of FUN, um, it's the foundation in which w- we are, right? Our experiences in life, our DNA, um, our approach to our personality, our communication, all that stuff. And in the foundation of who we are, it's built so much off of experience, right? So, i.e., playing basketball, shooting jump shot after jump shot after jump shot, whatever it may be. So, um, I believe that over time, our experiences help create our belief system, right? Because we've been there and it it validates us or uh, we recall a moment where it didn't feel good, so we avoid it, whatever it may be. So, our experiences in life uh, they they help solidify our belief system. That belief system then drives our behaviors, right? Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, I want all of that, right? right. And as a result of those three things, our experiences driving our belief system, our belief system driving our behaviors, our behaviors then in turn drive our emotions, right? So it's like, oh, that feels awesome. Or, oh man, that sucks, right? All of this is driven by experience in life. So if you're unhappy with your experience in life, well then change the experiences in your life. So here we are, you've changed a lot in your life at a very young age. Uh, Where did you find your passion for neuroscience? How How did this journey come about?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up around Kansas city for those people who don't know Kansas city very well, um, big, small town, and there's a bunch of suburbs around it. So on the Missouri side, there's one called blue Springs grew up there. And in high school, there was a a curriculum, I guess, called project lead the way. And one of them was biomedical sciences. So you could get into these advanced like college classes in high school. I was like, this is awesome. And so the first one that I took was human body systems my freshman year. Um, and (laughs) we, we went, so we go through as it, would you would assume you go through every body system, and we got to the nervous system, and I never left. <laughs> I was like, at <laughs> the end of the thing, I took the test. I was like, this is easy. First of all, I just intuitively get this. It helps me understand physiologically why people do what they're doing. I was like, Teach, why would we study anything other than the one that affects everything else, or that controls everything else, or influences everything else? And she's like, Cody, we're moving on. It's cardiovascular's so next. I'm like, what? <laughs> so that's where it really started um, all the way back. All the way back then, Um, and then in the college, I studied. I went and played basketball, and I studied neuroscience. And that was even more what I really, really, really love, and why I think neuroscience is so empowering, and why I really love like the practical neuroscience more than anything. I want to make it less scary, because the real driver for neuroscience is what you just said, bro. Hundred freaking percent. You have the ability. I am a neuroscientist. You are a neuroscientist, because we both have brains. Neuroscience is a is a science that I don't need a lab coat and I don't need all of these crazy organic chemicals to go do a chemistry thing or a pendulum to go do a physics lab. Hell no. Go interact. Go take action. Go have new experiences. Think of new things. Surprise, surprise. That's what happens in your brain. You can test and retest and retest and retest. If I go like this, my arm goes up. Oh, that's a test, right? Neuroscience allows you to do that. Anyone can be a neuroscientist. It's all this crazy, oh, you're in the brain and it's overcomplicated and it's like worthless. It's worthless information. So practical neuroscience is, dude, this thing's powerful as crap. You have a super cute perioder between your ears that can compute things faster than light can move. (laughs) Use it, man, to change your freaking life because it's crazy what happens because when you say action changes your life, it truly does and people get it messed up. Your brain does five things, right? It senses things. You can't control that. It takes smells, thoughts, action. Like it takes all of your senses in. That's what it's made to do. About 6 trillion senses every single second. Only 6,000 of those are you conscious of per second. That's insane. And so you really don't have much control over that. Perception, you do. That's the highlight. That's like, you don't always perceive all the senses you're taking in. So like your shirt, for instance, you probably are not feeling your shirt on your body till I just say something. Or you're not feeling your hat squeezing your head until I said that. Right? You weren't perceiving of it until I mentioned it, but you were taking that sense in. So perception's like a highlight. Then the last three are the most important feelings, thoughts, and actions. Those are the, those are the golden key of, of being a practical neuroscientist. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I what are my actions? How am I gonna drive from that? The mistake people make is that I need to feel good enough and I need to think I'm right enough to take action. But that's not true, right? <laughs> action creates motivation. You don't need motivation to have action. Action creates the motivation. When you move forward, you work backwards. So typically it's feelings, thoughts, actions. But if you want to create a behavioral change or change the way you think or change the way you feel, you have to act, which then will cause you to think different things, which will cause you to feel different things, which will give you different perceptions of things. And now you notice, oh, this set of senses has derived this action. Mm. And so it it's... It's such as like, just think of that. And every single thing you do, what am I sensing? Okay. What am I perceiving? Are they, what's their intention? Are they being mean on purpose or why did they walk that way and turn left there or do this or what, right? That's your perception. And then go, what'd that make me feel? Feeling is your first language. Your limbic system is deeper in your brain than you're thinking. Then you go to logical, like right? right in the front of your forehead, you go into the logical piece. And then the very front of your forehead, you shoot back into action and you move, but moving forward creates that. Change that you're looking for, like literally. Literally. Like I I can't be more clear that it is as simple as it seems, and it is neuroscience.
0: Like I promise. So so much to unpack because I think individuals like you and I who are truly motivated by this feeling, this feeling of knowing that we don't know it all, and this feeling of wanting to uh, experience more and to grow, uh, this, this area between our ears. Some people aren't necessarily driven by that and, and may have even, uh, been told, convinced themselves of, or actually have something limiting their belief system to get them wherever they aspire to be or like us. So, uh, Just to revisit something that you said that I really, really liked. You said you talked about feeling, thoughts, and actions, and typically they go in that order. Like, I I don't like roller coasters. And so whenever my wife, Melissa, or our children ask me to go on a roller coaster, I'm often like, I immediately sent, like, I just, like, I get this feeling in my gut. I feel, (laughs) there's no way in hell I want to do that. Like, I'm just nervous and stressed out thinking about it. Yeah. And so that's the initial feeling. The feeling is sickness. Like I, I feel this, like my stomach drops out. Right. Right. Then I start thinking about, well, what if I were to do it? What if I pee my pants? What if, uh, what if I embarrass myself? What if I scream yep. too much? Right. Yep. And then the action, uh, that follows is I just don't freaking do it. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, but you said, you know, flip that on its head. You talked about act, Think and feel. Before you got there, you talked about these questions that we ask ourselves. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? And forgive my ignorance. What was the the action question? What am I feeling? What, what am I thinking? And what action should I take? What action should I take? Now, going back to flipping that on its head, act, thinking, and feeling. So let's say we take the fundamental, like just go to a playground and go ham. Like just, just get out of your head. We all drive by playgrounds all the time. We take our kids to playgrounds, right? We convince ourselves that we're not children, so we don't play on them. But but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go to a playground. So I just act, right? So I drive by a playground, I see it, and I immediately pull over. Is this an accurate assessment right now? I'm flipping it on its head. Yeah, you're doing an even better job because you you started with I see it,
1: right? That's a sense. Okay. You're taking okay. that in.
0: Okay. So you see something, then you are moved to action, right? You don't over process. You don't, you don't weigh all the pros and cons. You don't develop a strategy. And my, my question to you is this, how does that, how do you maximize the opportunity for success in acting? If indeed you don't always take the time to develop a plan, i.e. thinking.
1: Right. And so is this for what type of activity is this? Is this spontaneous? Is this,
0: Great point. I think it so would be- in this example, it's spontaneous, right? And so you don't necessarily have to weigh out the pros and cons. I'm guessing you just see, do, reflect, feel, all that stuff, right? Oh
1: well, yeah, hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Well, in that case, would be more like, well, I want. I feel like the thinking would come more before. If I want to feel more like a kid, then you think about things you could do. Oh, I could. I could go play. I could go color something. I can do Play-Doh. I can mess with Legos. I could go to a playground. Then you have to go act on that to get the actual change. Okay. But if you were feeling sad or not like a kid or under creative and you're thinking, God, I'll never be creative. I can't do this. I can't get through this. I'll never be able to type these pages. Now you're sitting there like you you go back and you get stuck in that loop. I'm not creative. I feel this way. I feel this way. I think this, I think this, I think this, I feel this, I feel this. How do you cut that loop? Action. What do you know is an action that will get you creative? Well, Going and playing in a playground, that's pretty creative, and it's pattern interrupt. Your brain's not used to it. So, boom. Now you're like, oh, I'm at a playground. Kids are here. When I was a kid, I did this. I felt this. I thought this. I saw this. I perceived this. Now I've got whole different brain regions lighting up. Now I'm like, oh, my God. Now I'm creative. Now I feel happy. Now I can make things. Now I can think about this. Now I can do that. And then the action you can take based on those new feelings and thoughts, you can write those pages you wanted to.
0: Mm. Brain pattern interrupts. Did you hear that? Ladies and gentlemen, the fundamental pr- principles, it just goes hand in hand with science. Uh, yes. <laughs> Cody, dude. I, I mean, I'm getting more jazz, the more we talk. Um, so for individuals that hear what we're talking about yep. and they feel like they're stuck in the mud, right? They feel like, Oh my gosh, I've tried that before and it didn't work in my favor or easy for you to say, Cody, uh, you're already a fun guy. I'm not very fun. <laughs> or even even worse, or a, a stronger extreme, maybe somebody suffers significantly from, from diagnosed illness, mental illness. Uh, what role does DNA, what role does experience, negative experience play in keeping us from maximizing what we aspire to get out of life?
1: Yeah, I know it plays so much. Um, That one of our isms, I guess you will, is that adults are just kids wearing costumes. So if I mean that's like one of our core beliefs here, and one of our mantras: when do you stop jumping off couches pretending you could fly, right? Or who stole your color pencils? Like those are some of the things that we kind of talk about. But all of those are childlike. And there was a point, and it's it's a really easy one to kind of a funny one. Is uh, close. <laughs> like learning these lessons, like those experiences you're talking about, yes. uh, your inner child or that child that's in you was absolutely blown and stunned at some point. Um, and just completely these values and these beliefs, which, because there's somewhat of a different right? A belief and the a belief versus a value, like a belief, someone, they, they will question a belief. I'm not good enough. Do you really believe that? Well, no, that's a belief or it, versus a value, which is much, much more deeper ingrained. Like that's like a religious, like why, why be it's i uh, I'm Catholic. I, I'll be, I'm, I'm a Catholic guy, right? I was raised very Catholic. And so I have Catholic traditional values. And so I stick by these and I argue about them if someone, or I would, if it was a value. So value someone will argue about and stand by beliefs they won't. And so, um, you are searing in values and beliefs your entire entire childhood and surprise, surprise that inner child that is there. Your adult self is built on all of those moments that you were just absolutely stunned. You're like, what? And so imagine yourself, the one that I use a lot is clothes, right? So <laughs> there was one, some point where you're running around like a kid, you're naked, you can do whatever you want, right? It's just freaking gardening, that? baby. Adam and Eve, ah. don't don't put clothes on me, not here. Sh- no shoes, no shirt, not for me, right? Um, and so the, but there was a point where your mom was like, Cody, dude, go, go put some freaking clothes on. And my in my mind, it was so, my brain so young. Everyone is so young. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my mom like, what? You want me to put clothes on? So then what happens, right? You go back out and you maybe put underwear and you're like, Cody, clothes, put them on. And I'm sitting here like, my brain is just frazzled, freaking out, not knowing what the shit my mom is talking about. Like, mom, are you kidding me? My whole life I've been walking around naked. Now you're saying about well, you're still confused. That confusion sears into your brain and that forms that belief. So being able to go redecide decide in those moments is huge as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there is something that is deep, 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 and you're wondering hmm, what the hell's going on, um, I would suggest talking with someone for this. You can self-do it. Um, but if it is one of those beliefs, where does that come from? And kind of work yourself back uh, mm-hmm. because you can do that, right? So what, what, where is this belief coming from and where did I get this from? What was I sensing when, I, when this was seared in? What were my perceptions of this? Well, if I'm a young child and my mom's screaming and yelling at me for something, I'm trying to survive. Like I was scared, fearful of my survival, but still confused that I had to put clothes on, right? So that could cause me to feel scared, worried, nervous, anxious. Now I'm starting to think I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive, right? So then the action, I I go listen to my mom. I put on the clothes. Same thing in society, right? You're not supposed to act like a kid. Don't think outside the box. You do ABCD, follow this, do that, right? Same thing.
0: Man, dude, so spending time in thought is something that I think that we could all benefit more of. And when I say spending time in thought, it's deliberate thought, not just thinking about how bad the world sucks right now or thinking about the political landscape or the social divide or anything like that. But dude, like <laughs> I'm listening to you talk and I'm hearing about your childhood clothes specifically, mm-hmm. and how these ideas and principles are seared in our brain, and then ultimately culminate in the way that we experience life later. Yes. And when I talk about the F and fun, the foundation, we got this workbook, right, Cody, which I'm going to send you. But Please. the foundation, uh, next steps to even more fun, and this is a this is an exercise for anybody that wants to explore their own F personal foundation. So, so exercise 1A, what experiences stand out as the most profound in creating your philosophy of living or perspective on life? So, like, <laughs> if you had to think right now about, like, what made me this way, what experiences would I have, what can I recall in life that drove me to feel this way? Like, I could point to, if I really spend time and thought, I could point to, Why the hell I'm so like this, right? And it's driven by multiple factors, not just what I wanted to feel, but seeing others and how they presented themselves and not wanting to be that. And I could point to very specific moments and experiences that drove that, dude. And so, like, again, I'm just giddy with excitement um, because it goes on to say, what experiences in your life have driven the way that you see yourself, those around you, And your typical take on daily experiences so and the mirror for that we observe and reflect
1: so a a quick like place to start if you're because that's kind of a big question yeah who do you who do you want to receive love from more your mom or your dad whose stroke or strokes so stroke is like a compliment in like not like a brain stroke like a compliment or something but if you did something awesome who did you want to hear from more your mom or your dad who do you want to get praise from who do you want to receive love from more figure that out. And I just, and then ask, start asking them questions as, you, as I've gotten older. I've asked my mom so much more about her experiences that kind of stuff that I've really started to understand. I've started to understand what I was observing when I was a kid. And that is what really started to build that foundation in my mind of where I started to come from.
0: So play this out a little bit, like, cause I, that is, that's something that's super intriguing to me that I'm certain that a lot of people could relate to. And I know that you said that I have to have that individual, but I uh, I definitively always wanted my mom's love more than my dad's. And it was it was a <laughs> byproduct of my mom just never openly sharing her love. Like she showed right. us consistently. She, dude, there was the first person I would call when I ever got into the shit or when if I ever needed money or if I ever needed to know something, it was always my mom. But my mom was never like the person that said, I love you or I'm proud of you or I appreciate you. She did all of those things by showing me, but that's that wasn't my love language, right? So right. kind of kind of that's a good,
1: me. yes, that's a big I, intersection. So love languages kind and of
0: yeah. this exercise because I feel like this is awesome for guys. We at the Fundamentalism podcast, we hope that you don't just listen and enjoy and have fun and laugh, but but really we hope that you take away something tactical that you could do that could potentially improve the amount of joy, fun and fulfillment in life or self-reflection. So, Cody, what would you say my next step would, my next step would be? So, I, I've identified my mother as somebody that I always wanted to love me more than, say, my father. I wanted her love. Uh, I, I've understood why she didn't openly express it. It was just a, how she was raised or she thought that she showed me that. What would my next step be?
1: I, I would, the, the, the quick thing too, as far as kind of getting dissect some of those is understanding the pain versus pleasure. Mm-hmm. So like my, my, my mom's pretty, w- would be pretty similar. And I, I wanted to receive love from her as well. And so thinking, um, it, some people have thought about this already before they even think about their past, but it, most people, not most people, everyone wants to go towards pleasure and away from pain. That's how your brain's primed. Um, the pain specifically for me and tell me if this is true for you, um, is away from disappointment. Mm-hmm. And we, you and I talked about that. And that came from my mom, right. And, and so observing, reflecting, that could have been seared in the opposite way um, is far like towards future pleasure is my, is my secondary one. She would always set me awesome goals, but if I disappointed her, it was always, I always responded better to the fear of disappointment. I always got good grades. I got to play college ball. I did this. I because I thought I was going, I wouldn't survive if I disappointed my mom. Mm -hmm. And so then do you have that uh, type of driver um, or did you stir those, did she stir those types of feelings from her or what behaviors and actions did you take as a result of not receiving the praise and love that you wanted? Did you act out to get some type of attention? Did you tell her and want to be around her a ton and um, uh, talk, like say lots of things to her to try and get her to say stuff? Did you do really nice things for her to get her to say, did you go out, Then this was me, and perform and never, ever, ever, ever let her down and always come above the bar so that she would finally be like, good job good freaking work. That was awesome. Right. Cause mine was always like, Hey, that was a good game. All right. One that seared to my mind is that was a great game, man. Good job, Cody. You got the MVP, you won the tournament, won the last shot. What could you do better next time? Yeah. <laughs> it was boom, right to that. And I was like, damn. All right. <laughs> I'm like trying to not disappoint her already. I achieved the goal. I'm above it. Right. And so what, what would that be for you?
0: So uh Funimism podcast listener, you guys are, what we're doing right now is we're unpacking. Uh, my mental makeup. And you're, you're hearing it uh, right as we go through it. So, Cody, thank you for providing our listeners this opportunity as well as myself in reflection. So, if, I, if I'm really truly honest with myself, and I think that's super important in self-reflection, yes. um, what's interesting is I always act it out. I was always the class clown. I was always the guy that was hungry for attention. I consistently got in school suspension. I was consistently the stand-up comedian trying to make others laugh or getting a, getting a rise out of them. And uh, obviously, as I've progressed through my career, I've now become uh, my professional occupation is literally one that presents an opportunity Um, to constantly be the center of attention and receive praise all the time. But what's interesting about, so man, I mean, that is the ultimate extreme. Oh, I'm not getting it here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself the opportunity to get it as much as I possibly want. Right. What's interesting though, is um, it feels good to a certain extent. Like when I, like when I do a session or a keynote or whatever it may be, it's cool. Like I, I love that people say, Oh, it was great. Or, Oh, I laughed. Or, Oh, like, that was life altering potentially as an extreme, but like the emotional connection that I get to those statements, they're not like, they're not like super strong anymore. Like, it's not like it's I'm super appreciative of them, but I feel like the only person, there are really two people that I ever wanted to say that stuff to me in my life. It was my mom and my buddy, John Stoner. Those are the only two people that I really wanted to hear. I'm proud of you. Right? And so how that kind of manifests itself is uh, when you go out and you say you perform, whether it was on the basketball court or grades or whatever it may be, i go out and do it. And I feel like I was thriving. I feel like I was killing it. I was getting praise from others, but I still wouldn't get it from those two people. And so what happened, what resulted is something that makes me feel just super grimy. And I think this is the human side of us. What We do, I start to, I start to sell them on what I, I start to talk about my accomplishments with John or with my mom. Hey mom, did you see what they said? Did you see what somebody commented on the Google review? Right? right. And she did She, of course she saw it, but she didn't comment. And so I feel like I have to go into sales mode, which just feels like nasty and grimy because it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. So what, what, right. Justin Yes. Well, so it's in a in, and it's a
1: shift from an external justification or an all rightness, an okayness to an internal one. <laughs> one that um hey, mom, look at what I'm doing, what I accomplished, what, 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 what. Who are you? Mm. That's what matters more, right? It's, yeah. it's more about who you are, and are you okay with who you are, right? Who cares <laughs> what is on out, what is going on outside the box, right? It's internal. You got to get into your own mind and be really happy with yourself. Mm. So that's a hard piece. Is kind of diving into some of those things, and then seeking the other thing that I might suggest would be uh, having these types of candid conversations with your mom or your parents. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big one for me. I was like, mom, like uh, disappointment's a big one. Was my biggest one. And I. There's some really, really messed up. When you're a kid and you disappoint your parent, you feel a whole chemical shift in them and you can't put a four-year-old in the middle of a food court and expect them to survive. Human kids are not intelligent enough. We can't do that. We die. And so when you're a child and you disappoint and you feel that chemical shift, you associate that feeling with death and dying and survival, right? So disappointment now as a child means I'm going to die. I'm not going to survive. And that's really real when you're three. Yeah. You know, and now you get in your 18, 19, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, that disappointment stirs, oh, I'm gonna die. Right. If I didn't get to good grades, I was gonna die. If I didn't make it to my college basketball team, I was going I wasn't gonna survive. If I had to report, give my mom a report card that had anything less than a B on it, I was not gonna survive. Right. And so you have to go back and redecide those things mm-hmm. um, and shift from that external validation that you're looking from from mom or from dad or mom's here, right? The mom boys, uh, but it could be dads too. Um, sure. And start to shift that conversation out of that inner child that wants love and affection from mom and start to realize, wait a minute, Cody can self-love. I Like who, and you be able to start to get those things internally as well. And then externally, someone like your mom, I would for sure definitely have a conversation. <laughs> Dive into some of those thoughts and don't ask it with an opinion in it, right? Ask questions yes. with, Just understand, be completely judgment-free, just observe what she says and start to understand the perspective she had, um, and the feelings, thoughts, and actions that derived from, um, your childhood and raising you.
0: Well, so this is fascinating to me. And hopefully as the listeners, uh, you guys are taking what Cody's saying and kind of walking me through and potentially identifying ways for you to walk yourself through similar exercises. Now, not news to you, Cody, that uh, I come across outwardly um, and I really feel this internally as somebody that really truly has found uh, joy and fun in life. And I don't, there are moments of regression. There are moments of a victim's mentality, but by and large, um, what happened for me personally to find this joy, fun and fulfillment is I did the exercise that you just walked us through. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was no amount of validation that John or my mother could give me uh, that was going to make me feel great about myself. And so Mm -hmm. I really hit my stride when I realized that it all starts from here first, loving myself, feeling that I add value, having confidence in my ability and being cool (laughs) with that. And uh, you'll get a kick of how it's manifested itself now because now it's just a running joke in my family. Like I'll consistently give my mom shit and my wife and I have this like external language that comes across in, uh, you know, uh, eye rolls or quiver lips or smiles or whatever, whatever my mom's doing something. And so I won an award recently or something and I don't remember what it was, but uh, posted it on uh, LinkedIn and, and Facebook and my mom didn't say anything. Right. And so right. I, I we're sitting around the dinner table. Our kids are there. Melissa, my wife, is there. And I go, mom, did, did you see that? Did you see that award? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, what were, your, what were your thoughts on that? And I'm smiling at Melissa. And my mom says, well, I commented on it on Facebook. And I go, yeah, well, but what did, what did you comment she goes, I don't know what it say say. <laughs> and I'm like, well, just because you commented on it, doesn't mean that you couldn't just tell me like what, tell me your thoughts. Right. <laughs> so, so I laugh and I kid about it because at this point it's just funny. So now I just kind of jabber, but it doesn't, now it doesn't have any emotional response in me. Now it's just funny because I'm completely comfortable with myself. And so, In closing on this topic, what I really want to stress to you guys as the listener and share appreciation for Cody in doing is creating the environment where we realize that if you're waiting for somebody else to create your fun or feel your confidence or express to you the love that you desire, you're going to be waiting for a long time because it really starts with yourself and spending time in reflection and identifying those traits that you have that make you fricking awesome because we all are and have something that makes us awesome. So Cody, what was that epiphany moment for you? Like, when did you realize that you were onto something with this, uh, with this CBA neurotech?
1: Yeah. So CBA actually, this it's, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this exact thing. Um, CBA stands for conceive, believe, achieve. And so I think that I've lived my entire life by that, right? Conceive, believe, achieve. What does that mean? And so for us, um, our purpose actually is to recreate the ability to imagine, right? recreating the ability to imagine, to re creativity and fun. And like you, it just gets shoved out of us so young. There was actually, you'll love this, uh, there's a study that... Uh, it was a longitudinal study and it it measured kids from five, 10, 15, and 25 plus was considered adult. And so what it did is it measured creativity and imagination. And at five years old, 98% of that 1600 tested at a genius level of creativity. By 10, age 10, that dropped to 30%. By 15, it dropped to 12. And by 25, as an adult, only two percent tested at a genius level for creativity, and so it's like, what on earth? So starting around five to ten ish, you start getting put in these boxes, and so the first, the first piece of that statement, conceive that I literally use as a mantra. It's on every whatever my mind can conceive and believe I can achieve. It's the only thing on my screensaver. Whatever my mind can conceive and believe, I can't. I, I, all day, every day. Um, and because at my core, I completely believe that people want something better for them their, themselves. They want um, a new piece of their a lawyer. They want to become a doctor. They're overweight and they want to become healthy. They are fill in the blank, whatever, right? If they can't conceive of something, um, they can't go and achieve it. And a lot of the times, that conception is clouded because our creativity goes away. <laughs> right? We can't even imagine now. We're in a box and we live our lives within the confines of that box. And when you get to a wall, it's like, oh, that's that's the edge of my conception. So they can't even conceive of doing something different with their life. And so our first step, right, is to help them recreate that ability to imagine that, oh, I could do, it. well, what if you could? Let's pretend, could you play a game? What if you were a superhero? What if you saw them do that, right? And you're starting to ask these questions that stir that, uh, that brain and the creativity, then conceive. Now you've got a picture, you've got a goal and you've got something you want to go achieve. The next piece of that is belief. And that's where you attack those inner thoughts. Um, and that's where you really, really get strong mentally, the limiting beliefs the most common one is I'm not important. Like most people would say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm important. Right. And then you ask them, um, well, why are you important? And they go to the what's right. They go to the, because I'm a good dad or I run a podcast. Right. Paul, you are important because you are you period. Paul is just important. You don't need to do all the other fundism, any of that other stuff to be important. Paul is important. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. And so if people don't have that internal belief, they can't believe it, or whether it's fear of other people's opinions, fo, right? Whatever it is, um, that belief sometimes gets crushed and then they can't go achieve. So if they can conceive, we can help them become mentally tough and stronger and really help with that inner voice. Like my limiting belief voice, I need to name him. His name's Jerry, and I don't let him come around. If someone cuts me off in traffic and Jerry wants to, be like, what? I'm like, Jerry, you sit your butt back down. I'm driving this car. I'm watching you, man. Right. And so that's belief and then achieve. How do you achieve something, man? Like, like you find the goal, going back to basketball, you find the goal, you chop it up into the individual skills to be good at basketball. I've got to be able to shoot. I've got to be able to dribble, play offense, play defense, right? You break those down, skill achievement, behavioral change. You break down that goal and then you figure out how do you learn that skill and customize it to yourself. Um, And so that you can achieve. And so that is really um, the core tenet and really what got us where we are is that statement, conceive, believe, achieve. Um, And it's whatever the mind, right? Because your brain, your psychology and your neurology are the two things that drive these. So as you're achieving this, you're changing brain structure literally like a hundred thousand percent behavioral change takes about 63 days and so we literally create superheroes that's one of our core obsessions um and we do that (laughs) uh, helping them can imagine whatever the hell they want right and framing it as a hero so instead of some boring breathing technique for anxiety um, that Father Time's talking about on stage and he's some neuroscientist or PhD guys. Like, okay, cool. But what if, hey, yeah, this is what Jarvis whispers into Iron Man's ears when he gets claustrophobic in his suit. You want to learn that process? Hell yeah. Now you're instantly imagining and you don't feel weird about it. So starting to imagine so that people can conceive of different things and different outcomes in their lives, <laughs> believe in that they can actually freaking do that and then breaking down the skills to achieve that over and over again. And doing that with a process, it's not just once. This works. You can customize this to yourself. I'm not the guy that's going to tell you, have to learn this way and do it this specific way. Hell no, absolutely not. <laughs> customize this. Make it your own um, so that you can go and achieve lots of things with a system and a process to achieve them, not just one single way for Cody is about to succeed at one single thing. No, that's that's worthless. Um, giving yeah, the process is much stronger
0: so many great things in what you are saying first of all i love the concept of naming my negative chatter
1: uh yes. whoever
0: is jerry is uh awesome uh but can you imagine like if we all if we all did that gosh damn it jerry <laughs> yes
1: my, my my team literally they you say jerry and they will all start to crack up because there are times where i'm in a conversation i'm like jerry like if my ego starts
0: to come up my like, jerry what did i tell you yeah Goodness gracious, I love that. So if you're listening, uh, first of all, we know you are. Thank you. But that's a real takeaway. Like just naming and addressing whatever this negative chatter is, so you can see how often it creeps up. And it's cool to kind of to segment those two individuals out because you do have somebody that can imagine and you do have somebody that can believe, and you do have somebody inside you that can achieve, if indeed you allow yourself to. And so understanding when that somebody that's not all of those things is getting in the way from you achieving all that you're capable of is a really cool uh, and identifiable identifiable tactical behavior. Um, You mentioned a lot about the what you guys do and uh, conceive, believe and achieve. Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit of, of the how, a lot of reflection and self-discovery activities. Give us a little more of the how in terms of CBA, neurotech, and what you guys do specifically to help people move them closer to their superhero tendencies. Sure. So the, if you think of, we can explain a
1: little bit, but if you think of the hero's journey, it's kind of, not kind of, it is the model that we very much use. And what the hero's journey is, is most people would understand, um, think of any superhero movie, think of any action movie, whatever it is, it's the flow of that movie, right? And so the beginning of the movie is some background and some story. You start to understand they're an average person in the average world. Peter Parker, right? Gets beat up, bullied, whatever it is. Um, Then there's the call to action. He's asked to go to the lab because he's smart. Then he gets bit by a spider. Now he's in the supernatural world. Right. So then he has to figure out, okay, I've crossed the threshold. Now I'm supernatural. I've got superpowers. I need to go find friends. I need to find there's tests, there's allies, there's partners. There's all this different stuff that you go through as you're learning to develop those skills. Then you start to approach that cave, right? Luke Skywalker did the same thing. He literally fought Darth Vader in the dark cave, right? This is a common narrative to every movie, every type of superhero movie. But Spider-Man, right? He gets beat up by Dr. Octopus the first time. He loses. His skills weren't developed. He's in the dark cave. Um, uh, Superman, right? In the, like the OG, This because this relates to all generations. The OG Superman, he's got the kryptonite chains around his neck. He's in the water. He's going to die. Then what happens, right? They're in the innermost cave. And then what happens, right? They break through. They resurrect. They come back to life. They learn the new skill. They find the new partner, whatever it is. And they come back out. Superman rips off the thing, he flies around the world and everything goes backwards and saves the day, whatever. Spider-Man comes back, beats up uh, the Green Goblin and boom, he wins, right? And he's learned new skills. He's beat the last person. And now he's the master of two worlds, right? He's got the skills that he needs. Luke now has uh, mastered, beating the dark side, right? Whatever it is. And then you come back and you've got new knowledge because you've got superpowers now you've got new superpowers. And so you come back at a higher plane of existence. You are now a step above where you started and it's a spiral up, right? So if you start at this point, you end at this point above and it's the journey takes you in a circular journey up to the top. And so uh, we use that framework to figure out where are you, right? What And make it real world. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with um I need to recreate my identity because I'm 18 to 26 and it, my identity has been defined by my parents, coaches, teachers, family, friends, and not myself. I haven't gotten to do that yet, right? You're at your call to adventure. That's the first step. Call to adventure, baby. Hell yes. Let's go, right? If you were like, no, 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 no. Society wants me to do this. I have to do this. I've got to get the nine to five. You're at your refusal of the call. Refusal of the call. I called you to adventure, dude. Why are you refusing me, right? Then you got to, or maybe meet the mentor, meet the guide, whatever it is. Maybe you're at that point, right? You understand your call, but you just need someone who's maybe 10, 15 years before you to meet a guide, right? And so we use this narrative and there's specific steps throughout the whole thing, obviously, Um, and we use this narrative to walk people through, where are you at? I was talking to somebody yesterday. (laughs) She very much was in her innermost darkest cave ever. I was like, what's the best thing about the darkest cave? And she's like, I was like, you get a new superpower at the end. She's like, oh my God, you're so... And she got so hyped so instantly. I was like, you're like Captain Marvel. You're like freaking Wonder Woman, Sp- whatever. And you're coming out of that cave about to punch the world in the face and go slay that dragon. And she's like, hell yeah, I am. Right? And she associates with those things. And so using that narrative in, in a, a coaching and, and a mentorship world is the first step. And then the technology side of what we're doing is we're building actually a game from this. So it will be a web-based game that you can go to at first, and then we may shift into an app. Um, but the the first portion of this is building a game based on this quest. And so say that you want to recreate your identity, right? And you're at your call to adventure. Awesome. So you'll get to log into this game and actually play a game, build an avatar and associate and walk through the steps of the hero journey, hero's journey um, so that you can develop and ascend to that higher plane. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm here. What's my next call to adventure? Because it's crazy what starts to happen in your life when you start to realize, oh, this happens more than once. (laughs) I learned new skills. I came back at a higher plane and surprise, surprise, I now have the ability to say yes to different calls to adventure, to higher levels of games, to different things um, that they get to do. And so we really, really, really love helping people focus on those things and recreate that ability to play the game and get into a game state mode and have fun as they're learning these things and start to really, 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 exactly. Yes, exactly. And help them work through here's neurologically what's going on, but let's have some fun while we're doing it. So you are creating brain structure. And for the people that want to know about it, let's talk all the way back through um, what's going on. What's that? I'm <laughs> I'm trying,
0: I'm trying. I can never, I'm trying to get the oh, word fun enough. in my background that you keep referencing, but I'm terrible with under is it my left? Is it my right? I don't know. Left brain right. versus right brain, bro. There we freaking go. <laughs> but, and just getting them involved in that narrative is a fun,
1: is, 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 is been very, very exciting for us. And um, whether that is, the giving someone that initial ability to imagine that they could do it, that they could try. Right. So if that's an individual, if that's an executive team, if that's a our main focus is 18 to 26 year olds. That's very much where we'd like to focus. But there's a lot of times where an executive team is like, dude, we are stuck. We have no freaking idea. I was like, I bet you've tried everything you've tried before. Yep, I've done that. (laughs) It's like, okay, let's get in there. And we just kick the doors down. And it's the generalist, right? It's like, well, have you tried this? Well, what about that? Have you added this department, that department, this thing, and that thing? Like, I have some people sometimes? There's like, well, our website sucks, this is that. And that, well, have you tried an app? They're like, well, no. It's like, okay, if we built an app that did this, this, and this, would solve your problem? Yeah. It's like, okay, here we go. We just reimagine this thing, man, and it, it just gets simple. Um, so, from a group level down to specifically an individual level, that's kind of how we achieve what we're looking to get done.
0: I love it, man. If I or any one of our Fundamism podcast listeners are looking to reimagine their existence on this planet and uh, reintroduce new experiences in life, and they want uh, CBA Neurotech's help in doing so, where would they go? Uh, they can go to my LinkedIn, which
1: is just Cody Isbell, or um, feel free to email me, just cody at
0: cbaneurotech.io. Awesome. And that's the best way to hit me. All right, so as we wrap up, man, the people want to know if you could be any superhero, who would it be? Oh, this is such a hard question for me. Um, I would want to be
1: on the Marvel side, Doctor Strange plus Captain Marvel in one person. (laughs) On the DC side, 100% Superman. I love Superman. (laughs) I love it. Good old Kansas boy. Man of Steel, he wore a royal shirt. Don't know if you ever saw that, but he did. Yeah. Henry Cavill, he did wear one. I was like, hell yeah,
0: dude! This has been nothing short of amazing. I greatly appreciate you uh, allowing us to rap about how neuroscience goes hand in hand with the fundamentalism philosophy. I hope it didn't feel as though I was stealing too much of your thunder, um, because this isn't about fundamentalism. It should be about you. The exciting thing is what you're doing and what we're talking about. Literally, just run parallel and run hand in hand together and so i greatly appreciate yeah. you uh providing us that platform uh i know that you've empowered me to uh reimagine some things and to spend a little more time educating myself on the scientific uh background of life because it's not yes. something that I consistently take time to do. So for the bottom of my heart, Cody, I say thank you very much, my friend. Uh, to the Fundamism Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate you tuning in. Um, you know what we're, we're out here doing. We're just trying to have some fun and create fun in the lives of others. So thank you very much, because we couldn't do that without your help. Uh, we've topped up at 31. We've topped out at 31 with your help. We're coming from that top spot, numero uno. So tell your friends, leave us a review on iTunes. Go out, smile often, be safe, and have some fun today. And until tomorrow, we'll catch you on the flip side. Deuces!